Welcome to the Global Spin Podcast with me, Ryan Kramer, where we take a deep dive into the world of global selling and share the secrets to growing your brand in new markets. Whether you're looking to expand your brand, enter new markets, or boost your sales, we've got you covered. Tune in for unscripted, engaging episodes that will take you on a journey of discovery and success. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Global Spin Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and the brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce world. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, which it should be new, this is only episode number two of this beautiful show that I like to call, again, Global Spin Podcast. This is centered around what it takes for Amazon and e-commerce sellers to build their brand to the next level. I'm talking about taking it to other marketplaces that might be uncomfortable for you as a seller. We're talking about Singapore. We're talking about Europe. We're talking about Australia. The world is your oyster, and I'm here to help you figure out what the next step is. That's what this podcast is all about. But every episode is fueled by Frisbee. That is a company that's helping Amazon sellers take that next level into building their brand internationally whether it be shipping logistics, product compliance, and port of record, Frisbee helps all of those different situations come true and helping sellers grow their brand worldwide. Go and check us out at frisbee.com. You can check it out in the bottom, uh, the URL at the bottom, and in the show notes below will reference a lot of different uh, links and articles and uh, information that you might want to reference later on down the road. If you're watching this live, this is live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. Or if you're catching this on replay, it will be on all those platforms as well. Best to go ahead and check out and follow us on YouTube and all of those episodes as well as other content educational resources will be there as well. Just search for Frisbee or you can follow me on social media for those resources. So part of Global Spin Podcast is, or podcast journey I want to say, is me reaching out to different sellers who I love their story. They have a lot of value to add. In episode one, we had a lot of great things we wanted to tease with an upcoming uh, talk we're going to have at the Prosper Show. It's adding Amazon to your global playbook. Um, we had an amazing brand. Um, if you didn't check it out last week, um, we had an amazing brand, Glorious Games, uh, going back to keyboards and building their brand on Amazon and going into the retail world and really taking it to the next level when their international expansion. And then agencies with e-commerce neuros, um, Karina McLeod was amazing to come on and uh, talk about her helping brands grow in the global landscape. But this is my take on, it's not just about, hey, let's have a round table and talking heads. Let's talk about and get the nitty gritty of a seller's journey and what it takes, the pros, the cons, what are the the barriers that it takes to build a brand in a sustainable seven-figure business and growing it successfully or unsuccessfully. We want to uncover those truths. So today I reach, uh, or today I have on a very special guest. I've been very lucky enough to meet in person at various Amazon and e-commerce events worldwide, um, mainly in the United States, but he he's Mr. Worldwide is what I called him. But I reached out when he showed me his numbers. It was just a comment. It was a passing. Didn't realize how many marketplaces he was operating on. I think we're going to confirm with him, but 12 marketplaces, multiple different countries uh, in currencies and talking in different languages worldwide. He himself is many languages that he speaks and he's from... Uh, and he has a very unique background. So that's why I wanted to say, hey, even though you're not a customer of Frisbee, and for full transparency, not a customer of ours, 
we want to bring him on for more insights and help with how global expansion looks. So that's why I brought in Antonio Bindi, of founder of 11 Brands. And welcome to the Global Spin Podcast, Antonio. Let me go and bring you on. There you go. Oh, now I unmuted you. There we go. We're good now. Oh, now you got to unmute yourself. This is what happens on a live podcast. Go and unmute yourself. And we're good. <laughs> hey, Brian. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on. My, yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, we were chatting this beforehand. Um, and I, I just want to be full transparent before even you got on here. You were worried that you were not a customer. But I wanted to talk about your insights because you have so much value that you're driving. And your story is amazing. That's what this podcast is about. That's first and foremost. So thank you for just spending the time. I know we were back and forth on all those different channels of which one's the best to communicate. What do we want to talk about today? But I thought your journey in itself of creating a seller's a spotlight on what your journey has been as a seller is mm -hmm. is an episode in itself. So thank you for coming on. Awesome. Let's do it. So for people who haven't heard of you, uh, Antonio, um, which they should, uh, I call you I call you Mr. Worldwide. I don't know if that'll stick, but. Um, as a seller, you're located where? Let, let's go ahead and get this out. Where are you I, located? Uh, I'm located in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. This okay. is my hometown. This is where my team is, and this is where I operate from. That's amazing. So Rio, you you grew up there. You you was it something you always wanted to be an entrepreneur when you were younger, or what? How how did your your story? I call it the Amazon story. What what was your Amazon story? How did we get here today? I've always lived in Rio. I was born and raised here. Um, I'm a, I'm a former dentist. I don't know if you, if you knew that. I didn't I, until today when I was doing my deep dive research on <laughs> just a little prep of the background. I happened to see on our uh, friends, uh, Bradley Sutton, his podcast, it so, showed in the transcript when I was reading through, I'm a dentist and it fr flipped me out. I did not know that. How long were you a dentist? I was a dentist for 14 years. Okay. So yeah. we never, we don't have to have any sort of dental coverage when it comes to yourself. Are you, are you a do you clean your own teeth or what's that process look like in the family? <laughs> or are you like, Hey kids, like make sure we're doing a, the same stuff. I keep a, I keep a family clean enough. That's good. Well, <laughs> health, health is always a, a high oral hygiene. My son has to get braces. Um, not looking forward to it, but uh, I'm sure you can sympathize with the troubles and picking at it. And as an eight year old, you know, teeth, teeth is the biggest issue, but so you, you were a dentist. What, what kind of, you were there for a long time. That's not it's not a short amount of time of this is not uh, my calling. Uh, I was a surgeon and a endodontist. I, I did root canals, so I was one of those most hated kind of dentists <laughs> around. You uh, were one of the hated people. They people exactly. did not want to be seeing you. Exactly. That's uh, that's uh, what happens to dentists, and that's probably what probably uh, has the uh, statistics around dental suicides. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> well. So so or in Brazil, is that is that is a common profession? Um, I'm not, I've never been in Brazil and I hope to change that very soon. Is that, is that a common uh, profession in Brazil or obviously in the United States, we have plenty of dentists. Is that a common practice? No, it is, it is. Brazil, uh, I, I believe we have the largest concentration of dentists in the world. Interesting. Um, yeah. And the biggest number of dental schools as well. D dentistry in Brazil is really, really good. Okay. Always have been. We're like second to Scandinavian countries. Uh, although health in general is not as good. So the science behind and, 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 and dental uh, knowledge is, is really advanced. But of course, we have a very poor uh, population which suffers with, with the lack of access. But 
mind you, it's uh, dental care is not as expensive in Brazil as it is in, in the U.S. So right. makes it makes it makes it makes it uh, more widespread. So that makes a lot. So what what is that a family push that puts you? Um, it is. That it, it's totally a family push. I have uh, my mom and dad were our dentists, or they're retired now, but uh, they're both dentists. They met in dental school. I was born, and if you know, if your parents make uh, clothes clothes hangers, that's what you're gonna sell, right? Right. That's true. And, and so they they were conditioning you to be a part of the family journey. It sounded like, and you you followed through at the beginning, right? Of the dental clan, yes. That that the was uh, that, that's how I was raised, and uh, that's uh, what I was taught to be. Uh, I was pretty good at it, to, to be honest. I, I was a good student in, in university. I was a, a good dentist myself. It it was just not uh, the passion that I had. I, I mean, the dental the, uh, dentistry is lonely. You're always with a single person in the office. Uh, they don't talk back to you. I was going to say that's one benefit or negative. If you're a conversational person, you can only exactly. talk to them and your hands are in their mouth. So they can't talk to you. They can talk back to you. So <laughs> it's kind of lonely. And you, you, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a very uh, uh, introspective person. So uh, you're sociable. Like to... Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, so that conversation you're doing that, you said eight years, correct me. Or how long were you? How long were you a dentist again? I was a dentist for fourteen years. Fourteen. When, um, like in, I graduated in, in two thousand. In two thousand and three, I started like a side business, okay. and uh, ID wristbands for for parties and events. And that's the business that I have till this day. It's it's, it's now twenty years old. Um, we're the largest ones in Brazil in ID uh, ID wristbands. It's completely not related to dentistry, completely not related to my Amazon business, but it's something that brought me into the entrepreneurial world, uh, taught me how to import, taught me how to sell. And this is something I ran alongside with the dental practice for probably um, 11 years. Wow. Until, until it became uh, more interesting and uh, dentistry became more of a burden than a pleasure to me. So at some point I decided to to uh, put down the, the gloves and, and, and get into to, to, um, uh, e-commerce. So I was basically selling selling online. And that's, okay. uh, that's, uh, that's what I did uh, for probably the last eight to, eight to 10 years. And then- um, yeah, when, did this, when did the e-commerce journey start for you? What, what year are we talking? So uh, in, th- in 20, 2003, that's when I started uh, this this business, and then that's where I discovered the, uh, the very beginnings of SEO. So I was uh, we didn't ha- even have Google back then. So I was in Yahoo, and uh, I was able to rank my page in like uh, in the first 20 uh, spots in Yahoo for the keywords that I wanted, and did email marketing, did a lot of uh, Facebook ads. Well, when Facebook came, I started playing with Facebook ads and Google ads. So, although I was a dentist and I had, uh, I was dividing myself with uh, with this business. I was the one that was deep diving into the into the uh, uh, e- to the e-commerce side of uh, of the, the the wristband business. Okay, so you were looking so at how to monetize in a way that you can get up and running and in front of so many people yeah. so quickly. Interesting. 
Yeah, and that, that started with, I basically, I built my first website on, on Microsoft Word. <laughs> and I did, uh, don't let anyone listen to this, but uh, uh, edit this out. Just kidding. But I did a lot of spam back in the day that you had oh, like yeah. 90% uh, delivery rates. And a lot of people come, uh, got to, to, to know my, my brand uh, and we, we, we just exploded. So you were, you were testing, you were pushing the limits from the get-go, what the internet was actually unfolding into. You were one of those on the precipice of trying different things in order to stand out. It like. wasn't as frowned upon 20 years ago. <laughs> That's true. There was no like real guidelines. It was just a, right. hey, exactly. we're, it, we would love for you to sell and make it a good product. And the exchange was a little, uh, it was not as defined as it is today. So I literally well, had yeah. like 20 different uh, domains appointed to the same website and they all would rank. And that's how we uh, pushed all the competitors down to the second page in, in Yahoo and Google. And that's how we came to be. That's, I mean, what is, I mean, a story that I think is, it finds itself as an intrigue and then becomes a passion and then it becomes an obsession, now becomes a business. So you're, right. you're doing this on the side of what's bringing in money for your family. You're doing this. And you said you started selling wristbands. Is that, mm -hmm. you're talking about like the VIP bands, like the plastic right. bands? or yeah, Those are the ones. We, we do like the big uh, concerts in Brazil. We do Lollapalooza. We do uh, Rock and Rio uh, and everything else. Uh, every... Um, we're, we're the largest ones where we do hotels, we do hospitals, we do everything. And this is still happening. This is still a, a is. brand that's public. It is. Uh, I have a partner who's been with me for uh, 20 years in the business. Uh, he's now running it and doing a brilliant job uh, while I'm like fully dedicated to the Amazon business right now. That's amazing. So that that's actually intriguing because uh, one thing I want, I always have this intrigue about with Amazon sellers. And again, if you're listening to this and you have a question, we already got a couple of people on LinkedIn. It's a great conversation. You can't see it on LinkedIn, but I know on LinkedIn you're, you're commenting. There's a great conversation. We'll make sure we figure it out on the back end uh, who that is. So mm -hmm. far, uh, Antonio, a lot of people are very protective of their brand, I feel, on Amazon. Or it used to be of, hey, I'm going to tell you about all these really cool different ideas, but then I'm going to keep it so no one can use it against me or something of like to hurt my brand. You seem pretty open to the brand you represent on both Amazon and then the wristband um, company. Is that a, is that a state of mind? Is that a, is that, that a is, fear of yours? That is not true uh, regarding uh, the Amazon brand. Uh, unless you, Got it. unless you, you went, you really, uh, you, you, you deep, you deep dove really well. Uh, I wouldn't expect you anyone to uh, to know what the brand is. A few few people do. I have friends in, in the business that I, I don't mind sharing, but I'm mostly secretive about what the brand is. So got it. So anything that's posted on LinkedIn is a, a shell and a cover for what you really do. Um, on LinkedIn, you'll see uh, eleven brands, but it doesn't okay. it doesn't say what the, what the brand what, what the brands are. Sure, and that makes sense. So is yeah. it so for for clarification, eleven brands is a conglomerate that you actually own but it doesn't actually list out it, which brands you operate on amazon 11 brands is like the the, the like the future state we're we're now at three brands that we are running simultaneously okay. and uh my plan and that, that's more of a mindset for me but my, my plan is over the over the next 11 years no not 10 because i started this a year ago uh, this idea but over the next 10 years to uh, start operate and sell 11 brands. I, I, I want to sell 10 of those 
And I don't want to sell like $50 million brands, like that's a huge, huge sure. deal, but a few good, uh, smaller deals just uh, packed and, and ready for sale. That's, that's, oh. a, that's the game plan. That's amazing. So, so you're living almost this, you're living what you're aspiring to and naming a company after this is what I'm going to be achieving. This is who I am. So you have to embody that on a day to day basis. So super fast. So you started off Amazon, you're starting an e-commerce. And again, it's that evolution of you always hear if you started early on, you're talking about eBay, you bring up, you bring up, Hey, I have 10 different websites pointing to one. Mm -hmm. What is that? What's the first platform that you started making like recurring revenue on? Was it was it one of your own D 2 C websites or was it a marketplace? Um, oh no, like uh, our our business in in, in, in the wristbands they they are mostly B two B. Okay, uh, but the business came from basically agencies and and you know if, event organizers that were looking for that product, and we were uh, all over the internet to be found. So the website, we, we didn't have any like real e-commerce in the website. It was more of a, uh, uh, just a, just a website that we, we took leads from it. Sure. And we would do some, some retargeting. We would do some, some emails, but, uh, social media, but mostly, uh, the, the actual website. So no, no, no specific platform, just our own, uh, sales, sales force. Right, they submit a form, and then you would have contact with them in certain capacities, email or phone call or whatever that looks like. Exactly. Did you? Did, is this? You said this is not a. Is this a passion on the side, or how did you stumble into that product? I think it's always fascinating how people uh, start their first like oh, business no, that, around a product. That was completely random. Uh, I was at the dental office. I had just come from from the states, and, and I bought some glow sticks. Oh, no, no, these. Uh, <laughs> the they weren't free. Typically, those are free. They hand out at the right. concerts so or whatever. I, I bought a few of those in a, for, for a party that I was having and uh, in the States. And we didn't have those in Brazil uh, in 2002, I, I believe. And I had someone, I was at a at dental office, and some children were like throwing a tantrum in, in, in the, uh, the waiting room. So what I did is I, I lit some of those, showed them to the kids. Like, look, shiny things, stop crying, and gave it to them. And the, mo- the, the, the moms were like completely uh, in love and they wanted to buy that for their, their birthday party and stuff like that. And it was absolutely by chance. And so they, t- they asked me, uh, can, you, can you sell them to me? Can I buy them more? Do you know, you know where I can find them? And I said, well, I, I can find them for you. And they're like, I don't know, 100 bucks. I had to pay like 20 sure. or 30. I don't know. So I, I, I immediately tripled. You, you um, marked I mean, it up in your mind. <laughs> I, I, I immediately marked it up and uh, sold it to uh, those patients of the clinic. And they told their friends about it. And all of a sudden, I was selling thousands of those a week. Wow. So yeah. so just by pure word of mouth, and you made it up on the spot, a business was formed, and now one of the foremost you know, leaders in that space. That's, that's such a cool yeah. story. I did not know that about you. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. That, w- that was completely by chance, and that's where my... Uh, my entrepreneurial vein uh, showed up and I started, you know, buying and selling stuff. Uh, wow. And since uh, they, those were used as bracelets and necklaces, uh, I, I started getting a lot of people asking me, so you sell those bracelets for, for events, right? For parties. But yeah, those are the glowing ones. Oh, no, no. How about the, uh, the ones with a, with a stub? How about the ones for VIP? But I don't sell those. I don't sell those until someone asked for a large quantity. I said, well, okay, I'll sell those to you. Wow. And then I found a supplier and I started selling uh, uh, the wristbands, and that's how we became the biggest in Brazil. 
That's amazing. So, so in that regards, and again, uh, we have Antonio Bindi on of, you know, 11 brands and he, we're talking through the story of kind of the entrepreneurial, what I hear when I've done over 250 episodes in podcasting before, how people start out is it's always seems almost by random uh, choice. It almost seems a something falls in your lap or it was a passion that kind of like I found the gap in the market that solved my child's problem. Or like you said, you're trying to shut up a kid in, in your dentistry office and it became a multi, you know, thousand billion dollar or million dollar business. In, in that capacity, it just feels so random, but then you're, you're asking what else, what else you're open to new ideas. Yeah. That, that seems such a cool mindset. Do, do you look at yourself and think, what if I wasn't there that day or where I would be if, if something else was, you know, I no totally, one asked that question. If they didn't ask that question, how to make those kids I, I be totally quiet. Do. I have no idea what my life would be like today if, if I had continued as a dentist or if I had not uh, started that side business. And wow. uh, the, 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 the same thing kind of happened to me with, uh, with Amazon. I had no idea what Amazon was or what FBO. I mean, I, I was a powerful, uh, big a uh, buyer on Amazon, but I had no idea what FBA was, and uh, let alone the whole industry that we were so familiar with now. Sure, I had no, no idea this existed until I, I watched a YouTube ad. I was watching YouTube, and some ad popped up of someone doing arbitrage. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Always um, starts with arbitrage. It feels like, yeah. Like, oh, that's interesting. So I, 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 I was living in in Florida, and my wife and I, we were bored because the business that we are, were starting there did not go through uh, because our investor backed off. And we were like, we had time in our hands and about, well, let, let me just watch 10, 10 hours a day of, of YouTube videos on this new FBA thing that I just heard, heard of. So um, I, I went deep and I started doing courses. I started going to events and this was 2018. Okay. And early 2018, and and by August, I was launching my my first product. That's amazing. So Amazon, how you were targeting people in in your former business, someone was targeting you on this business and kind of spurred this other opportunity. Yeah. So what about what about Amazon? Kind of intrigued you the most? You said arbitrage, but then you got deeper and said, "Hey, I can I can do this book better." Or I, okay. I say arbitrage is not better, but you know, I mean, they're different. Um, I, want to I, I, I never touched arbitrage. It was just my uh, my, my invite into into, into Amazon and to learning more about it. Makes I mean, sense. in probably probably a week, I realized that money was going to be, be made in, uh, in 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 private label. Uh, it took me a while. Uh, this was probably March. Um, I only placed my first order in maybe June, July. Started selling in August. Um, and of course, you have no idea if that's going to work. You put a little money and see how, so you see how it goes. Uh, the idea was I'll, I'll buy three months worth of inventory. I sold out in three weeks. So I was out of stock for, I don't know, for the next couple months until the, the next shipment came in. Wow. And it just became organic and, 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 and grew uh, exponentially uh, after that. Wow. So, so starting in 20, you said 2018, that's when you launched your brand. Is that what it sounds like? Yes. Okay. So around then that, I mean, a lot of people even go back. I got introduced to Amazon up in 2014, um, mm -hmm. selling for a wholesale and manufacturing in the home gift garden category. So really random products, uh, really light, like flags and uh, all around the world. And 
I saw Canada, I saw Europe, but I never saw like even more than that. But we were doing like D to C, we were doing a lot of different things. Um, there's a lot of ways you can go. When were you trying to do it a lot at once, or were you just focused on Amazon when you launched this brand in 2018? Because a lot of people can say, I can start in D2C and morph it over oh, to. No, no. 100% Amazon, and to the day, uh, I'd be lying if I said that, but I, I, I do have sales on Etsy because my okay. product resonates with, with Etsy, but that's probably like 1% of, of our sales in, 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 in the US. But it's there. Um, I, I, I'm, I've been trying to uh, start Walmart, but the international expansion has me completely busy. My, my whole team is absolutely busy with uh, my idea of not going uh, one marketplace at a time, as <laughs> your title suggests. You're telling me this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, this is this is a title. I have the graphic assets. We we had uh, he created them so fast. I didn't get a chance to. We did it in the promotional ones, but not in the back end ones. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of like chip on this. So, so your your team. I when I saw your comment on LinkedIn, and this is this has to be maybe two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you were sharing this about Belgium. I know. I think it was with. Um, oh man, it, we were talking about the Belgium marketplace, and then you had shown your um seller central that's right yeah that's right uh so you were you were just looking at it and uh i was like wow he is i i said i sent you the the clip of it and it was like this many different languages i'm doing this many currencies which i'm very familiar with in a former life and then also this many marketplaces and then i sent that to you and i go this is what i came up with based upon that comment he goes no 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 (laughs) everyone yeah it was the funniest like i was laughing and crying in my seat i go there has to be a backstory with this. So yeah. when I sent that to you, I said, you're navigating the world one global marketplace at the time. You said, that's the opposite of what I did. What, what do you mean by that? Like if, if you could tell a story okay. of what- so the, the, the timeline on this would be, uh, I started selling on 2018, early 2019, um, we activated NARF. So if, if uh, North American if, Remote Fulfillment Program for everyone who's- not familiar with that, it's basically, uh, where Amazon will ship your product from the U.S. into Canada and Mexico uh, through FBA, and there's nothing you, you need to do, just activate it, and sales from these countries will be automatically fulfilled. And we started doing that. And we had like borderline decent sales, just a little more sales than we, we usually have. Sure. But NARF is extremely glitchy, and your product will, will be eligible will, will come and go eligibility will come and go for, for, for the same product over over months so i started with like 90 percent of my uh of my, of my inventory in, in narf of my catalog uh enrolled and all of a sudden like i had 50 percent. i ended up i ended up with sorry for that i ended up with probably um 10 of my catalog I've made available through narf in, in mexico and canada Okay. Um, but I, I, that's, I, I still continue that. Uh, if you remember 2020, we had the uh, shipping crisis. You, you, everyone was taking uh, months to get a container, uh, container congestion in the ports. So I was out of inventory. So I turned NARF off so I wouldn't hurt my U.S. sales. I didn't want my, any available inventory to be dedicated to anywhere else. Of course. And when I turned it back on, it just didn't didn't pick up. 
not, nothing that I did made it made it work. And NARF is also uh, not only it's glitchy, it's also very uh, unsupported by Amazon. So yes. you can you talk to seller support, they have no idea what you're talking about. They'll just uh, close your case, and no no answers are given. They're, they're, we 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 didn't have like a, a NARF manager back then, and I pretty much gave up on that. And in 20, late 2020, uh, Amazon offered me uh, to pay for my VAT registrations in Europe if I wanted to, to expand there. I had already had like very decent sales. Uh, they reached out, so uh, we want your, your products in Europe. We'll pay for your registrations and we will pay for a whole year of your returns in Europe. And I said, yes, so let's give it a try. Uh, in 2021, that, that's late 2021, uh, I'm sorry. And so, Amazon, but, you said Amazon was reaching out to, to kind of prompt you and kind of yeah, invite uh, you there? Uh, at first, it, it felt they were uh, reaching out specifically to, to like larger, uh, larger sellers. But it seems that, that this was like a promotion that they, they, they had for a while, mm -hmm. uh, back in 2021 uh, and 2020. So for in 20. 21, late 2021, I finally, it took me a while because the, the process is, is slow, uh, VAT registration, and you can't uh, ship products into, into uh, Amazon fulfillment centers before, until you're, you're VAT registered. Sure. And in the middle of that, Brexit comes. So instead of sending products to, 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 to the UK in hopes that it would sell in the EU as well, I just had to sell to. I just decided to 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 stick with the UK, and that's what I did for the whole of 2022. Uh, and last November, I decided to go full throttle and activate uh, the four main um, marketplaces in, in in Europe, which are uh, Spain, Italy, France, and Germany. There you go. You named them uh, all. Then again, they launched uh, uh, Netherlands, they launched Belgium, Poland, and Sweden, all in, by the end of 2022. All and right. it's, it's the same inventory. You don't have to ship uh, anything else. You just have to um, create new listings, uh, upload like new keywords. And we worked with uh, our friend Yana from uh, YLT to do the translation. Shout out to Yana. Yep, absolutely. She uh, she did a brilliant job. We we our products are mostly uh, variations of, of each other. So uh, we we had like a uh, it was a big project because we had like different colors, different sizes, different uses, different styles. But we ended up with a with a huge uh, catalog of translated listings. Wow. Uh, it took us probably, it took my team like two people in my team probably two months to get everything uh, ready and up uploaded while the products were underway. Wow. So in December, we activated all these uh, new eight um, uh, marketplaces with, like I told you, five or six languages, uh, three different, just in, in Europe alone, it's four, four different cu currencies that you have to manage your financials, your PPC, everything that you have to understand what, what, what they mean. And of course, uh, the challenges of, of doing... Um, a, a new country with you know, new regulations, uh, VAT calculation, which is a lot different than, than we're used to in, in the U.S. So, yeah, that, that, that's been challenging. 
Got it. So kind of backing up, there's a lot that you did in there, which, which is, which is a lot to take on as, as one person, let alone a team. So when you entered these markets, you, you said you started in the UK and you kind of did that for a year. Are you, were you taking part of part of the pan European program or w- what's the program that you're part so we, of in this? We were not because uh, when we started the registration, we were because we, we, sure. we, we began all this before Brexit. And the idea was that with pan EU, you would have your, your products sent to one place, either UK or Germany, and it would be distributed everywhere else. With um, with Brexit, UK was out of the uh, out of the game. So the, the inventory that we had in the UK for a while was just for the UK, and at some point they reinstated the EFN, the European Fulfillment Network, which is the parallel program of uh, penny use. Uh, and we could start. What we did was we we activated EFN for the, the, the four big countries. But you don't have the uh, the discounted rates that Penny you will, 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 will give you. Okay. So we, we decided to to, to stick with uh, the, the the UK and Canada. Uh, in, in the middle of all that, in the middle of last year, we also uh, sent our first ship into Canada, which was really surprising. We thought that we would have like also marginal sales, and we twenty xed our sales in Canada. Uh, from our numbers, from our best month in in NARF, our first month in in, in with actual uh, inventory on FBA was twenty times uh, more than my best month in NARF. Wow! So you're actually you're touting better numbers than what the Amazon Canada team tells us on a on a regular basis, and that is if you if you go from NARF just at, by having it on, which any new seller in the United States or North America, I should say, has it automatically flipped on now. It's just a, it's just a, it's, it's a toggle that is automatically turned on. Your listing becomes available in Canada and obviously Mexico. But when you flip it on or the difference between having that flipped on and directly sending to a fulfillment center in Canada, they say Forex. So you're, you're no. what quintupling quadrupling. I'm not sure even what the right word is quadrupling what is expected of just a normal business. So that's fantastic. So your business is obviously resonating with a lot of people. And there's, there's people that say Canada is not worth my time, but on tradition, when you have sales, you can expect a four X growth in that market, which is fantastic. So that was 2022. You 20 X. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Go ahead. We 20 X the first month. And then of course we went out of stock because we had no idea that that those, those were the numbers that we'd have. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good, good problem to have. But again, uh, Canada is harder than the U.S. to to ship to, especially because you usually uh, most of the population is in the Toronto area. Right, the so, southern part of Canada. Yeah. Yep. So if you're shipping from the the, the, the west coast, you basically you're shipping to Vancouver, but you can't deliver to Vancouver because and they want you to to send your stuff to Toronto, and that's a 15 day train uh, haul after a 30 day uh, wait. So it wow. takes a lot longer to get your products in, in, in Canada uh, if you don't have a, 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 a West Coast fulfillment center designated. Gotcha. We'll have to talk a little bit after this about that because I know there's a lot of cool little 
little hacks and solutions and hopefully yeah. that there's for people with that. But the, so, so Canada, we have Canada going on. We have all of Europe. Have we so touched any? Yeah, go ahead. Was, let's do the English speaking countries first, because do we, it. Have, we have the, uh, uh, the PPC is pretty much the same. The keywords are the same. The volumes are different, but uh, I don't have to hire anyone who speaks a, a foreign language. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's why we went to Canada and the UK first. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, part of the program is what in addition do you have to add on to this market? A lot of people ask the question, what else do I need to worry about if I go to those markets? Traditionally, if you go to Canada, if you're selling in Quebec, you want to maybe have a French translation optimally, but you traditionally don't have to worry about that too much. I know Yana would say otherwise, but I would agree with her, but you don't have to. Um, in the UK, maybe a couple tweaks here and there, you might want to have it optimized and localized by that's, that. That's uh, one of the main things that I, I tell people. Don't just translate. For the love of God, don't Google <laughs> translate anything. But when you're when you, when you hiring translations, make sure you're localizing your translations because um, people in the UK, they'll, they'll immediately know that uh, that's not, that's not uh, British English. And... Not only that, you, you want the keywords that, that let's get diaper caddy, which is a, a very uh, common uh, 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 keyword that Brandon uses a lot. Right. Uh, uh, diaper caddies in the UK are nappy caddies. And right. if you have diaper organizers for strollers, they're not strollers, they're prams. So you have to localize because the keywords might, might be localized and they can, be, they can be completely different. Same goes to, to, to French, French and Canadian French. There's some words that are, just aren't the same. So you have to, uh, if, if that keyword that is, has a, lar a big search volume has a different meaning or a different keyword for it in, 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 in another country, uh, you have to, uh, to, 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 to make sure you're, you're, you're catering to them. Same goes for Mexico and Spain. Same goes for, you know, uh, Dutch and Belgium Dutch. I, I didn't go that deep yet, but I'm sure there's something there that, that has to be uh, adjusted. Absolutely. And, and that's important too, because you're speaking to a client I know in the United States. I mean, there's a lot of joking around. If you If it's broken English, that's a common phrase that says that person does not feel like they know what they are talking about just because of how they are coming across in text form. It's not their fault. But that's how they're putting themselves out there. And that is a perception in the back in psychology that says this person may not be the foremost expert in this exact yeah. thing if they are not speaking coherently to the audience that they're Oh, We know to. when we read uh, U.S. ads that are written in Chinglish, we, we can tell. Uh, I'm sure you, uh, the Brits don't mind reading ads that are, are written in American English. They'll understand and they'll, they'll realize that most of the products are, are, are coming from America anyway. But the, the issue is not, not only the sympathy that they'll have towards the product, but also how will they search for the product and what will come up. So if you don't have Nappy and Prem, that's what, what they're searching for. So you're losing all of the traffic because you're not catering for the specific keywords they're, they're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, we so, did um, in the new Amazon product opportunity finder, for example, um, friend uh, that we were doing a, a, a keyword research 
and just to test out this program. And if you don't know, um, obviously in, in videos past, I've actually pointed to it. It's a cool tool if it reviews your Amazon ASINs and it can compare to the different marketplaces of keyword research. It's free within Amazon um, and Seller Central. You can look at it and actually search for volume. So you can see 360 day um, views, not 365, 360. I've, I've double checked the number um, in terms of keyword. If it's uh, going in popularity, if it's decreasing, it's a very simple and basic, you know, keyword research tool. But it shows you kind of those top searches for those top products in those categories, which is super interesting. We search for uh, camping blanket, very common term I would think here in the United States. Something that you keep warm when you camp because it gets cold out. Not a phrase that's used in Germany, not a phrase that's used in England. It was camping gear and camping, um, it wasn't even blanket. Blanket never showed up, but that was the top keyword in the United States. So again, your marketing, your best keyword may not even translate to a simple English translation market like the United Kingdom because that's not a phrase that they're familiar with. So yeah. just an example. Well, same happens in the States. So half of the States calls fireflies fireflies and the other half calls them Lightning bugs. Uh, lightning bugs, exactly. So you, you, could, you have to be aware of that even uh, in, in, in your own country. But yeah, localization is, is a big one. Cultural differences and product selection may be big. So it's maybe a product that's super uh, uh, popular in the States might not be in, in the UK. Okay. Uh, and, and vice versa. I, 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 when I was doing my research, I found that chimney sweepers were super popular in the UK. And I don't think those would be in the US or maybe not, 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 not as much. Not as much, no. I, I mean, I know what you're talking about. I always think when I hear chimney sweep, Mary Poppins and, Mary Poppins, and, and right. that, that movie, um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an actual job and mm -hmm. uh, trade that happens or a job in, that happens in the UK, not, not popular here. There's people that uh, clean out the flu that's all I know. It's just a service. Yeah. So I don't know a product that would match it. So many products that are, 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 are very popular in the U.S. won't, won't, won't do well in, in the States. So uh, in, in the U.K. So in the U.K. you don't have tailgaters. You don't have all the outdoorsy uh, uh, community. You know, it's, it's, it's different. So uh, don't, don't assume that your product will do well in a country that maybe has no idea what, what your product's for. Absolutely. Well, I have a, I have a question. So obviously, I mean very much in, in that that realm you're talking about localization and that actually appears to not just text but we're talking mm -hmm. about uh imagery i think oh, imagery yeah. would be a very big component too to make sure that you're portraying um i think my favorite example i've ever done was when you're talking about family gatherings right what that looks like how it represents yeah. that buyer pool of not just a uh cookie cutter family it it really depends on what that family aspect looks like and you're putting your product into that, that family. So you have to even think further of does that family and that imagery reflect locally of what this product if, is going to do? I have a personal, uh, case, uh, in, in that, in that's in that subject. Um, if you're in home and you're selling like home goods and kitchenware and I don't know, home decor, American kitchens are very different from European kitchens. Yep. And Absolutely. they're very different from Brazilian kitchens as well. So I had a very hard time finding a location in Brazil where I could photograph, where I could take pictures of my products. And we decided just to go with American uh, photographers who would shoot products in, in their own homes 
just because you know they had the American kitchen, they had a, a, like a fireplace with a mantle, and you know a, a, a nook. Things that you don't have in Brazil, in Brazil, or probably in, in many uh, European countries. So, uh, if you if you're in home decor, if you're in 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 home goods, have in mind that your pictures may not resonate with with your audience as well. Absolutely. So, we're doing that, obviously. So, we talked about like English speaking countries. You you go into a different altogether. Maybe I mean I know you speak multiple languages, correct? I speak three languages. Three languages. Okay. Still multiple. Um, that's two more than I do. Um, <laughs> very well. Um, when, when you go into those different markets, what was the biggest challenge initially? As a so, you said you started with Pan EU. You were in UK. Those, those seemed like the easy ones. To, traditionally, the the stepping stones that most sellers make. You go into these uncomfortable markets. I would say that stretch you in a couple different ways. What was the most uncomfortable thing? I think. I think the, the, the thing we struggled with the most at the very beginning was with our finances and VAT calculation. Mm. Uh, not because VAT is complicated; it is. It, it's mm. it's pretty much like sales tax, but it's it's very different than sales tax. So here here how it goes: if you have a hundred product dollar in the states and you sell it through Amazon, uh, Americans know that they'll pay one hundred seven or one hundred six for it because that's plus tax. Right. That in Europe is embedded, is inclusive in the product price. So right. a it's 20%. So if you're selling a an $80 product, you're actually selling it for a hundred dollars and you get 80. And yeah. you're getting 80. But Amazon charges fulfillment uh, their referral fees on price with VAT. So it's 15% right. on the total price. So you're actually paying Amazon 15% on sales on a tax. Yeah. So if you're doing a um, hundred dollar, a hundred euro product, hundred pounds product, you're actually making, or your revenue is 80, but you're paying 15% on the hundred. You're actually paying 19% of 19 point something percent of what you're expecting to make. Right. And the same goes for ACOS. And we, we took a while to understand that, that our ACOS was based on the final price and not on our, our proceeds from the sale. Wow. So and that goes for, so if we had like, if 25% was a good ACOS for us in the States, we had to aim at 21, 20 in the UK just because that's how much it would actually represent from what we made from the sale. And yeah, that's a wash. I mean, that's equal then. So even though the numbers may not add up initially, yeah. so, the final and, product, yeah. And the, uh, and, and the accountant's uh, perspective, uh, what they care is you want 80 for the product, you must charge 100 because you're paying 20 to the government. Great, but the way we price products, you'll know that we, we go around uh, uh, what the competition's doing. So if, if everyone's selling a product for 30 pounds, you can say, well, I have to sell my for 36 because I want to keep 30. You yeah. have to sell yours for for market price or if that's that's the game, if you're starting, uh, if you want to, if you're launching a product at least. Now you're, you're being bit by Amazon in 15% by the government in 20%. So your 100 just became 65. And then you have your, your ACOS. 
could if 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 that's another twenty five twenty uh, percent or twenty five, you're down to forty percent margin, and I haven't even uh, put in cogs. Uh, in I was gonna say you're just scratching the surface there. So, yeah. well, I mean that I keep going back to it. my favorite talk is to always do do the math to make sure that it works for you. And knowing, I, I'm assuming you would advise your team, we're not going to a place where the math doesn't work on our favor. It doesn't make sense. And I don't think a good business would either advise, go to a marketplace that doesn't make the numbers work in your favor. Where, If I'm a seller, how do I, what resources am I using in terms of, hey, I can't, I need to look at all these different calculations or breakdowns and things like that. You what what basics do you need to start with? You have to talk to your account and understand where how the math goes. So your typical profitability uh, spreadsheets or the profitability chart from from uh, Helium Ten or whatever software you're using, they do, they do not account for that, and they do not account for the fact that your final price will be uh, will be reduced in that in, in that in that scale. So you have to adjust your, 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 your pricing um, worksheets or spreadsheets to take into consideration where uh, VAT is, uh, is applied. So you have like import VAT. Uh, when, when, you, when you sell the product, you have the sales VAT, you pay the difference. It's, 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 it's more complicated than it seems, but you, you need to have your... Uh, your accounting team working with you. And I would not recommend doing it once a year. You have to understand it from the get-go. So if I were to wrap up this notion, obviously we're just scratching the surface and for every business, it's it's always going to depend. It depends on the product, depends on the category, depends on where you're selling. For you, what, what advice would you give for a seller who's now just starting to go into these markets? Again, you're covering a lot of bases at once. Are we talking about do one at a time and kind of get really comfortable with it? Or is it a, you know, pain approach? I would really recommend starting out with, uh, with the UK, the way I did, okay. uh, going with one tax provider, uh, one currency, same language, getting used to it. And we did, uh, when we started the U we, we had, we knew everything that we had missed on. And we did. We, we we sold, we sold for probably three months in the UK, having no idea how how, how that worked, and probably unprofitably uh, for the first couple of shipments uh, until we we redid all the math and said, oh well, that's that's not how you do it. So we, we need to re- rework this. So uh, start out with UK, same language, uh, same PPC basically, uh, one tax provider, one one, one currency. When you're when you're comfortable enough, when you know your numbers, when you when you have absolutely certainty of what you're doing, then expand into into the four big ones. Have it all set up though. Have, have everything set up for uh, to to pull the trigger as soon as you as you decide to. And remember that shipping into Europe is far slower than shipping from China to the West Coast. So right. a shipment that typically takes 25 days from port to port. In the UK, that could be probably forty days, forty-five days. You're talking ocean freight, yeah. Exactly. Ocean freight, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. So obviously, different ways to get into those markets. Yeah. Most cost-effective way across the board is always going to be in bulk or in ocean freight, whatever discount. But again, obviously, 
quickest way, air fray, or even small parcel. As we all know, um, <laughs> there's so many different options when it comes to entering those markets. So Antonio, I know we're, I could talk with you multiple more hours and I'm sure we will in the near future. Uh, but kind of wrapping up, I, I, we had somebody, um, inter and I want to kind of like give some shout outs to people who are listening. Um, Leo from Brazil. Thank you for uh, tuning in on, um, on YouTube. Let me go ahead and put those away. And a couple, Neil, actually, uh, Master Variation listings. Lots of learn from him. Look at you getting shout outs here on YouTube. And uh, Antonio, uh, Andre, uh, former podcast guest of mine, uh, yeah. the, as a beast and the best. <laughs> Yoni asked the same thing when I first saw you. Where's the beard? Um, you have to ask him off camera the story with that, um, Yoni. And then um, Pendy Rocks. So lots of different comments on YouTube. Uh, but we do have a question from uh, Neil. So Neil asked, what is the process for listing optimizations in foreign markets where traditional keyword research software might not work so well at all? Great question, Neil. Um, we, we're using data from uh, where, where, where it's available. So if we find uh, keywords that we do uh, data dives on, on, all, on all of our, uh, our listings throughout all the countries where we have data on formerly Helium 10, but data dive just changed their to uh, jungle scout. I'm not sure how that, that, that's going. I'd have to ask my, my team, but ask Brandon be... Young. We'll point you to Brandon Young search for with him or search for a seller. Um, uh, or seller systems or go to data dive or Antonio, Cam uh, Anthony Cam Francisco. So if you yeah, have yeah, a question no, no. about that point, yeah, well, no, we'll no, no, I, I need to ask my team, uh, oh, gotcha. has been for, for the other countries, but oh, gotcha. we used to have a pretty decent uh, data on keywords. Of course, the volumes are much lower. Some, uh, if you, if you, if you, if you're doing, um, uh, brand analytics, you probably don't have much information that we, we use a lot of brand analytics information for our, keyword optimization, uh, but mostly, you know, competitors, uh, we have um, spreadsheets that auto translate. So we can know what, 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 what we're talking about because you'll, you'll download these, uh, these um, book sheets, well, not, not book sheets, but, but this, these lists of, of keywords and you don't know what they mean. I mean, I can speak Spanish, Italian's pretty easy, French, I, I can understand, but when it comes to Polish, Sweden, and Dutch, I'm completely lost. But we'll we'll optimize uh, based on uh, whatever softwares. I, I don't think we did any any Swedish optimization at all, uh, or Polish. But for the main languages, we we use uh, what Helium 10 uh, offered us from Cerebro. Now I'm going to put another um, resource that became recently available. Uh, Neil, it's called, uh, it's from the friends at, at YLT. It's actually called YLT Translations of More. So it is actually a, um, a look into profit about missing not going global. So it's a cool new tool. Um, I'm not sure, Antonio, if you, you saw wind of it or not, but it's Amazon Marketplace Opportunity Report. So they do keyword research, what your competitors might be doing. Um, it, there will be charged for it because it's a research that, that's done with the mm -hmm. data and analytics that YLT has available, but it's a really cool tool. Um, if you're looking for something free, the Product Opportunity Explorer on Amazon and Seller Central became available in October. I would highly suggest check it out. It gives you data from um, based upon your ASINs, and then it can look at looks at those top four that Antonio said. You know, UK, Germany, um, Spain, and France, uh, Italy as well um, for the yeah. fifth one. But yeah, you can you can take a look at those to I'll see what. The, yeah, it's 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 a cool service. Uh, we just got wind of it, but 
Um, def definitely a fantastic question. Um, and I think one more before we just have time. Um, how do you delegate the roles of your team, Antonio? Do you have different departments for all these countries? Good that, question. That's something we're working on. Uh, we've been working on for the last few weeks and we'll be working on uh, over the next few weeks. We are building a matrix uh, of synergies and uh, how to get, how to divide my staff and between countries and product lines. Because we, 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 you, you may have a product line that does really well in the States and you, you, you could probably have its own uh, uh, product manager for maybe three, three parent agents. But then it, you don't need that same workforce or the same dedication for the whole of UK. It, 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 we, we, we can have like a, a, a product manager that does all of our products in the UK and another one that does all of our products in, in, in Canada. But, and our fourth person will do all of our products in the rest of the countries. Now, if you start doing PPC, so th this matrix works for product management, but it may not work for uh, shipments. So my, my, my logistics person, we're now hiring a second one just to take care of Europe. And they may not take care of the whole of Europe, but just the UK and, 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 and separately uh, uh, mainland Europe. Uh, if, you have, if, you, if you're working with PPC, you want someone that takes care of all of the English uh, languages, uh, all of the English speaking countries, but not all of the US because that's too much. So we're kind of building this map of where our products are and what the countries are and, and, and separating it by uh, roles in the, in, in, in the uh, company as well. So it's, I may have one person doing all of the English speaking countries, but I won't have that for, uh, for, for logistics. I may have someone in logistics doing all of Europe, but I might split uh, product management throughout Europe. So it's not it's not a team per country, but it's mostly uh, dependent on what the role is and what the synergies in that role are for each region. Good advice. That, that's very good. And obviously for each team, and depending how big you are, you, you've been around a little bit more that you have a bigger uh, inventory that you have to worry about or more ASINs. It really just depends on making sure you don't stress yourself too thin. Um, yeah, it never makes a lot of sense. Shipping, we're shipping uh, weekly containers to the U.S., but we're doing uh, bi-monthly containers to, to Europe and monthly containers to, to Canada. So the rate is different. Uh, the, the, the demand is different, and the number of SKUs that we have is different as well. So the complexity uh, uh, for the U.S., we, we probably have like a, team, a dedicated person for each role in the U.S., while we can uh, use some... Uh, some shared workforce for, for the other ones. So it's, it's a work in progress. We're, we're actively working on this, uh, on this, uh, matrix. Absolutely. We already got a thanks out of it. So hopefully that answered your question in Vandito. Um, that was an amazing way to end it. Uh, you, you teased the matrix and I know Antonio, we were talking about, it's not, not necessarily ready for, I think that's like part two of like the 10 part series that I can get out of you, I think. Um, but what, what, what are you working on in 2023? What's that, what's that goal for you? And what are you, what, what's you and the team's 
uh, ambitions for this year kind of moving forward? So we're, we're launching a, a new brand by uh, the end of Q2. It's already uh, products are being manufactured. We're uh, about to launch them as soon as they're, they're ready to go. We're also launching our main brand in Mexico, which uh, that's part of, also part of the international expansion talk. Mexico has like completely different requirements. I can't use them at the same entity. I have to, to open a company in Mexico. We, 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 we could do a whole, a whole, a whole uh, podcast and we'll be hitting on that, Mexico. I'm sure, in the yeah, future, yeah. for sure. And uh, so Mexico, we, uh, we, we're ready to go. We have a company there. I just haven't pulled the trigger yet because of, you know, uh, bandwidth. I, we, but the team doesn't have the bandwidth to, 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 to do Mexico right now. It's a good uh, sign, though. It's a good sign yeah. that you guys are growing. So, yeah. I mean, so you're working on that. You were talking about the Matrix. Uh, Mexico's on the Mara map. Are we going to see you at some trade shows? Are we going to see you at oh, Prosper yeah. or anything like that? Uh, I'm doing Prosper uh, in March, is it? March or April? March. March. It's coming up. It's in uh, less than six weeks. Yeah. Pretty quick. So I'm coming to Prosper. Probably a few of my teammates are coming to come in, come in with. Uh, in June, I'm, I'll be speaking at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, uh, Kevin King's in Puerto Rico. So if anyone's nice. uh, planning on going, uh, we can meet up there. And uh, on the trade show side, we're probably doing MDS as well in, 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 in Istanbul uh, in September, I believe. That doesn't if, suck. That, that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. If, if the country re recovers from, from yesterday's... Uh, terrible right but yeah yeah oh absolutely i mean and, that, and that's the thing there's a lot going on in the world and and that's the thing is people get overwhelmed but it sounds like you have a good head on your shoulders a good team around you i think that's the key i'm taking away today you got to learn and grow and have the people and support system around you and then continuously grow and bite off don't bite off more than you can chew that's a great takeaway but my friend i'll i'll definitely see you here in uh, march and i always mm -hmm. like to end everyone who comes on the podcast if they make it through an hour with me they're now a friend of the show so um, I'm making up some cool stuff. Hopefully I'll be able to get this sent to you here shortly uh, to thank you for your time here on uh, the Global Spin podcast. But if people want to reach out, they have questions, how, how can they best reach you or where can they connect with you? I'm, uh, I'm several groups on Facebook. Uh, easy to find, Antonio Bindi. Also in LinkedIn, if you want to connect through LinkedIn. Uh, I usually prefer to connect in Facebook through groups because the discussions... Uh, Build. More open and honest, yeah. More open and, and, and built. But if you if you need to uh, ask anything uh, more private, send me a message on LinkedIn. I usually don't respond to, I usually don't see uh, random messages on Facebook. But uh, LinkedIn, uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm hard to, to get a hold with. It's hard to get a hold of. I tried three different ways, guys, and it was a test to see which one he responds to quicker. That's yeah. it was awesome. But, but thank you so much. For, yeah, go ahead. No, no, send me a message. I'll be happy to answer any questions and. Uh, also super open with my with my knowledge amazing so we linked out in the show notes if you're going ahead and you're not on linkedin go ahead and check out the notes on youtube or facebook should be in the bottom a link to his linkedin page send him a quick uh, dm and ask your questions let him know that the global spin podcast sent to you or ryan kramer sent to you so antonio thank you so much my man uh thank you so much for providing just excellent resources and value um to the seller community Congrats on your success so far. I'm excited to see your global sales journey continue. And we'll be talking more offline after this. So thank you so much for coming on and being on episode two of the show. Thanks for having me. And uh, it was a great pleasure. Great talking about the subject that I really, uh, really like.
We appreciate that. We love the passion. So thank you so much uh, from dentist to seven figure seller, Antonio Benny. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you guys. Awesome. And thank you everyone for coming on the Global Spin Podcast fueled by Frisbee. Again, if you haven't followed us on social media, go ahead and follow at Frisbee on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or follow Ryan Kramer at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. I'm on all the podcast. I'm on all the channels, and you'll start to see our audio versions pop up on our favorite podcast destinations where you can listen to and go back to the, the other notes that we might have discussed here live. Go ahead and uh, subscribe to those channels when they become available on Apple, Google, Stitcher, all your favorite podcast destinations. I'm Ryan Kramer. This is the Global Spin Podcast fueled by Frisbee. We'll catch you guys next time on another episode. Take care until then. <laughs>